Welcome to the Ambedkar Initiative podcast series, in which students at Columbia University discuss their research on B.R. Ambedkar, a Columbia alum, and one of the 20th century's foremost thinkers on caste and democracy. I'm Anupama Rao, director of the Ambedkar Initiative and professor of history at Columbia. In this episode, Sam Needleman speaks with Augustus O'Connor. Sam is a junior in Columbia College studying history, and Gus recently graduated with a degree in English. Uh, so first off, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and why and what specifically about urbanism that interests you. Sure. So I am a junior studying history in Columbia College, um, and I've become really interested in the history of urban inequality um, as a specific framework for studying the history of cities through. So I really, you know, work across sort of the last 500 years or so, I guess I'm keeping it broad, thinking about European settler colonialism, everything up through segregation and redline and then redlining in the 20th century, um, ghettoization and carcerality, gentrification and racial banishment in the 21st century, as well as speculation and financialization. So New York is my focus for most of the above, um, but I try to bring in um, as many global comparative cities as I can. Um, I'm also really intent um, to keep things interdisciplinary. So as focused as I am on history, I'm also always looking to sociology and anthropology and economics and other fields to sort of inform this inherently interdisciplinary subject that I'm interested in. Mm. And and could you tell me a little bit about uh, the mapping project you're working on for the Embedker Initiative? Sure. So because of my interests, Professor Rao and other members of the Ambedkar Initiative and I discussed creating a spatial map of New York and a few other places, um, mostly in the interwar period, but in a few other time periods as well, um, broadly speaking in the first half of the 20th century. So what I did this summer was drew work from other researchers at the Ambedkar Initiative, like Leila Varki, Kyle Zarif, Rohini Shukla and used their research on what was happening in the first half of the 20th century in New York, specifically in um, black radical circles and in South Asian diasporic circles, to think about a kind of intellectual history of what's happening in New York. And I used a tool from the Northwestern School of Journalism, the Night Lab. Um, they've created all of these incredible open software or open source tools um, that you can use to create these maps with your own academic research. Could you describe the map for us? Sure. So the map includes 16 very carefully selected locations. The vast majority of them are in New York. Some of them are in London and even Atlanta. Um, and they cover essentially the interwar period with a few exceptions in other parts of the first half of the 20th century. And these locations all pertain to some important event um, in radical black and South Asian diasporic thought um, at this time. Um, we especially wanted to focus on Harlem as this neighborhood that Columbia is adjacent to. 
um, and thinking about all of the rich intellectual histories that intersected there. Um, especially curious for us because we're right across Morningside Park. Um, we have all these archives, but so often we're missing information about you know these rich intellectual histories that took place um, right nearby. Mm. Yeah, and and so what led you specifically to create this map, and um, why do we need it? I mean, I think <clears throat> my intuition is that you know spatial mapping um, tells us something specific that maybe a, um, a textual analysis cannot. So maybe if you could speak on those those topics as well. So the idea for the map, I guess, stretches back to my work in the archives of the Rare Book and Manuscript Library for the initiative, where I was looking at Hubert Harrison, who lived in Harlem in the first half of the 20th century. Um, He was a member of the Socialist Party um, and active in various radical circles. Um, And what became clear relatively quickly was that the archives that the Ambedkar Initiative researchers have to look in are really incomplete for the kind of thinkers and the kind of history that we want to create. So this sort of leads us to think about new methodologies for thinking about this history or these histories that might open up doors that the traditional archival method would not allow us to open. Priya Pai and Khadija Hussein spoke about this with Professor Rao in the introduction to this podcast series. And so here we're following Saidiya Hartman, who you and I have read together, Gus, um, who proposed this idea or invented this methodology called critical fabulation, where she looks not only at what's in the archive, but focuses on the gaps in the archive. Um, Specifically for her, at least where she started, um, was the lack of um, black women whose accounts are represented in the Atlantic slave trade. And so this idea that that Professor Hartman would fabulate this history um, or partially fabulate this history to bring to the fore subaltern voices, voices that have been lost in the history of archive creation, voices that have been violently erased, I think is really sort of um, integral to our methodology. Um, and so one of the themes at the Ambedkar Initiative that I'm working with is the idea of missed connections, right? So we have all of these important, radical, extremely influential figures who are living or working, lecturing in New York in the same general periods, but we can't find archival connections between them, which is a little bit curious. So this map is about hypothesizing new possibilities, pushing boundaries, of these histories so that more capacious definitions of 20th century New York history and of 20th century radical history can emerge. Does that answer your question? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> and I think um, I, I share that interest in uh, misconnections and the idea that um, the sort of foundation upon which th- these thinkers are um, – pursuing their work is just as important. The sort of social fabric upon which they are working is just as important um, to understand their work as, as sort of the work itself. So um, I think that's t- you know, totally fascinating, um, which, and, and something you said led me to um, a more sort of blunt question, which is, is this a subaltern archive? 
Sure. It's a good question. It's also a complicated one. And I'm going to give you a yes and no answer. Um, For the reasons I just explained, I think the thrust of the map makes it part of a subaltern archive or a contribution or the opening of doors toward a contribution to a subaltern archive. Voices that the archive left out, violently erased, right? At the same time, a lot of the figures on the map um, are uh, pretty well known. So, you know, Marcus Garvey, for example, the histories have been written. Now, we might want to question, you know, the histories of who he's interacted with and how those histories have been written, and we might want to add something to it. And I guess there's, you know, a dimension of subalternity there. Um, but, But yes and no, because many of the figures on the map... Um, um, are certainly integral to histories that already exist. And I know that there are you know, so many avenues to take um, when creating this type of spatial map. So I was wondering if you could speak a bit about curatorial decisions you made in constructing the map. Sure. So there were a few ways that I tried to use my role not only as a researcher, but as a curator of kind of a creative map um, to open these doors that I'm talking about, to hypothesize something new. One thing I did was um, in the creation of the 16 different points on the map, most of them in New York, I paired them by theme. And I specifically chose pairs that I thought would create interesting themes. And these themes run the gamut from arrival to collectivism to dwelling to the archive, right? So I'm trying to draw connections that we might not immediately draw with when we're thinking through standard dimensions of space and time, right? So I'm not just pairing based on locations that happen to be close to each other or things that happen to happen in the same year, right? I'm trying to open up more capacious definitions of what these connections might have looked like, and then accordingly, what our history can then be written as. So take the example of Arrival, which I just mentioned. The first location under this theme is Umbedker's first residence in New York, which was Hartley Hall, um, a dorm at Columbia. He lived there briefly in 1913, and then he had to leave um, because the dorm's cafeteria served beef, which he couldn't eat. So he then moved to different dorms. Um, the second location is where Haridas Muzumdar arrived when he came to New York. Um, and this was the intellectual home that he arrived at, the People's House, also known as the Rand School of Social Research, which was not only a locus for the Socialist Party, um, but also um, happened to be a place where many Columbia professors taught, where they kind of rebelled against the stifling academic culture uptown. So the connection between these two places might not be immediately clear, right? I mean, they're seven years apart on the timeline. One is uptown, one is downtown. But I think when we look at the map and we see that sites are paired together, these two sites, I think this opens a whole host of questions that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise asked if, if these sites weren't paired together thematically. For example, uh, how did Ambedkar and Muzumdar's arrivals inform their whole experience in New York? What is it about these anecdotes um, that shaped the intellectuals they were to become? Um, what were they thinking about when they got here? Um, what do budding radical intellectuals in general think about when they arrive places? And how do these new places shape what they're thinking about? You know, the power of the first impression. So um, on the one hand, it feels a little bit vague at times, but I think 
On the other hand, opening up these new possibilities can potentially be really fruitful. Mm. And <clears throat> so uh, thinking about these sort of connections that you've created, um, what's a connection between you know, places that maybe surprised you throughout your work? It's a good question. One um, theme that I came to late in the game or invented late in the game was collectivism. Um, and the last location I added to the map came to me from one of my fellow researchers, Leila Varki, and that was the Harlem Ashram, which was founded on 125th Street and 5th Avenue, kind of in the heart of Harlem, by two Methodist missionaries who returned to New York from a visit in India in the 40s. And this became a really interesting and unique experiment in, I guess, what you could call collective justice work. Um, these people did things like investigate police violence against striking workers. They assisted black migrants who were new to Harlem with finding housing and work. They developed a credit union run by and for the black and Puerto Rican communities of Harlem. Um, and I paired this with a very different site of collectivism a few blocks uptown, Liberty Hall on 138th and 7th, um, which was kind of the locus for the United Negro Improvement Association, which Marcus Garvey founded, the UNIA. Um, and I found through Rohini Shukla's research um, that Muzumdar delivered two lectures about Gandhi at the UNIA, um, one in, I think, 1921, or maybe it was, no, it was 1922. Um, and then Duze Muhammad Ali had been there a year before delivering a lecture called The First Great Civilization of the World Came Out of Egypt and Was Found by Black Men. Um, so both of these places, the Harlem Ashram and Liberty Hall, contributed to the political life of Harlem and New York. And I think it's so important right now to think about the ways that collectivism, whether it's collective living or collective work or collective organizing and activism, can shape a political culture in very different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And and so what theories and thinkers helped you create this project? So I think like a lot of fellow students, I spent a lot of quarantine um, reading work by prison abolitionists. And one abolitionist that appealed to me in particular as I was reading or making this map was Ruth Wilson Gilmore, um, because she's a geographer. So her approach to mass incarceration and everything else that she studies is fundamentally spatial. That's the dimension that she's approaching things through. She pushes for a shift from what she calls carceral geography to abolition geography, and she thinks that spatial analyses are really a key part of getting there. To me, this is a pretty brilliant idea, and I've try, tried to follow Professor Gilmore in my own very small way um, in proposing that we think of New York in the first half of the 20th century as a space full of radical Black and South Asian thinkers who are imagining a huge variety of ways to change the world, to build the societies they want to build, to sort of adopt the language of abolition, right? Building something new. This doesn't mean that we need to erase or neglect histories of redlining and ghettoization and all these other horrific spatial manifestations of racial capitalism um, that, you know, ran rampant in New York in this period. 
but that we're also going to tell histories of radical thinking against capitalism and against imperialism. Um, and I think Professor Gilmore um, gives us a very loose framework uh, for how to do that. This is something that you and I thought about a lot in subaltern urbanism, this conflict between wanting to tell and recognize these horrible histories of racial capitalism and imperialism and at the same time wanting to wanting to um, rewrite simultaneous histories of all of the radical um, organizing and thinking and doing that's happening absolutely and 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 I think um, <clears throat> I think you're right that you know both of these avenues of thought um you know the the sort of violent histories that come with with this time period but also the the radical thinking against uh imperialism capitalism as you mentioned um can and should go hand in hand so uh i think that's totally fascinating um so sam Thanks so much for this fascinating conversation, uh, and also thank you so much for um, the incredible work you're doing for the Embedker Initiative. Thanks for speaking with me, Gus.